Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ranger X Commune podcast, uh, where we'll be revisiting the Genesis classic Ranger X from the famous developers of Crusader of Senti. With me tonight, I have Warrior Fan. How are you doing, Warrior Fan? I'm I'm doing fine. It's good to hear. How about you, Shouty? Uh, a little bit dizzy, but I'm okay. And we've got Adrian as well. What's up? How's everyone doing weather-wise tonight? It's cold, but it's not snowing. It's cold, and it's not snowing here either. Well, the parts of living in Florida. What's what's cold here is probably isn't really cold for you guys. Yeah, what's cold for you? Yeah, what is cold for you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> 50 degrees? <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it's like 20 here, and it wasn't really supposed to snow that much today, but now it's like 8 inches or something, so... I think it's snowing right now. I lied. But it's like 29 degrees, so that's okay. Yeah, you don't live that far away, and it's been snowing here for like six hours, so I figured it couldn't be that long. I haven't looked outside today, so I wouldn't know. Well, that's, I guess, your loss. We'll talk about vitamin D levels later. (laughs) Uh, But for now, what have you been playing, Warrior Fan? I actually just finished uh, not too long ago, actually. Just before starting was Silent Hill 2. Ah, oh, that's a treat. How'd you like that? I was on edge the entire time. Is it the scariest game you've ever played? <laughs> it it just might be. I, I <laughs> The scariest in Silent Hill 1. Alright. I almost started that up, and, uh, you know, I just got too scared at the beginning. Like, when you're walking through the mist at the beginning, I was just so scared I had to stop. Adrian, what about you? Aside from Ranger X, I've been playing Alicia Dragoon, Batman for the NES. I got back to Yeesoth and Fulgana, which Wario saw me be chested, and Herzog Swipe. Sorry about the spoilers, by the way. Oh, it's okay. There'll be other Yeeses. What? Wario, you didn't know that Chester was evil? I I didn't know who Chester. (laughs) Uh, Now I know what to expect. (laughs) So what did you think of Chester's theme music, Adrian? Theme music? Oh, I didn't consider it. You mean the song that plays during the boss fight, or are you talking about his regular theme music during, like, cutscenes? I think he has music during the cutscenes, but I don't know if it plays during his fight. Okay. I have not caught on to it. But otherwise, I have to say, Yeast, the music in Yeast is pretty good. Yeah, that's that's a good evaluation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no music major, I can tell you that. No, nah, I just really like Chester's theme. Shouty, have you been playing any games with delightful soundtracks? Yeah, in fact, I just got Kirby and the Rainbow Curse yesterday. Oh, is never this, like half with you that. Is the soundtrack done in clay as well? <laughs> um, I, don't, I think so. I mean, Shogo Sakai is a musician guy who's good at what he does. Alright. And he did the music for Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, and it's really good. How's the game itself? It's also pretty good. Um, it's a successor to Kirby Canvas Curse, and I think it's easier to play because of the larger screen. Oh, yeah, that is true. It's a difference between a DS and... And a Wii U gamepad, yeah. Yeah, because we use both HD and, in, you know, you have widescreen, so, yeah. Do you end up playing the whole thing on the gamepad, or can you watch the TV screen and use the touchpad at the same time? That... Probably wouldn't work. 
because you need to watch where you're writing. Or it would call for some crazy hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Huh, so that's kind of weird. It's like, do you, you know, turn off the TV? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't think I remember the last time I played uh, Wii U with the TV on. Ah, uh, yeah, because you're one of them handheld guys. Yeah. It's good for the co-op, though. People playing as the Waddle... Oh, yeah, the Waddle Dees. The Waddle yeah. Yeah, they can join in, and but then I have to turn on the TV. Yeah, well, screw that. Yeah. All right, I've been playing Ranger X <laughs> and, like, Final Fantasy twelve, but that's not that similar. That was the music in Ranger X. I really like Ranger X's soundtrack. It's pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's, I really like it, too. I like the Stage 6 theme in particular. Yes, that like, one is also my favorite. I like the Stage 5 theme, because some of the instruments used in that track actually sound like real instruments. Yeah, Genesis has a real interesting set of synths where you get some tracks that really just don't sound like video game music. Yeah. I like that Secret Stage theme. I have not played the Secret Stage yet. Ah, yes, the Secret Stage. How did you find out about that? All I did was just... <laughs> well, I was wondering if there are any, you know, cheats for Ranger X. So... Oh, wait, because easy mode wasn't easy enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> I I died too much on easy mode, so I was wondering if there is maybe a level select of some sort, and I happened to find that code, and then I, I saw that there is another code for a secret level that seemingly is only in the Japanese version. It actually supposedly can be accessed in the U.S. version. I haven't tried it yet, but the method for doing it is that you're supposed to use the level skip code at the very last second in the final boss fight. Oh, and that is weird. Yeah, so I did try that on normal mode, and what happened is it took me back to the first stage of the game, which is kind of cool in and of itself, because now I can play through the game a second time with... Um, all the weapons unlocked from the beginning. Oh, it's good for testing things. Yeah, kind of a weird, like, accidental mode, but still neat. Yeah, I'm not sure if the secret stage is just only there on easy or what. talk about navigation in Ranger X and how that factors into managing weapons and in turn managing combat. Ranger X is a game that really couples exploration, movement, and ammo management, and ammo management in turn controls combat capabilities. So I think one of the interesting things to talk about is how those play into each other. So we're going to start by looking at navigation, because I think that's the simpler topic, especially because kind of the first thing you do is walk around. Yeah. What are the different ways to get around in Ranger X? Want me to give a rundown of that? Feel free. Okay. So naturally you have your basic on-foot movement with Ranger X himself. You can also fly through the air, which has its own you know, controls you need to consider. You can also stand on Indra and move around, move both Indra and Ranger X at the same time. And naturally that has different controls because it's affected by slopes and Ranger X is offset 
down. And then you can merge with Indra and go to the EX up. And your bullets shoot twice as fast. And it's all, they're also homing. Or not homing. They're tracking. But yeah. yeah so those are pretty much your three. I guess you can count four if you consider flying to be uh, unique enough from just moving on the ground on foot. Uh, movement modes. Or movement mechanics. Definitely. Yeah, if you think about it, I guess fly, flying has different physics than walking on the ground, so I would call that yeah. a different movement mode. Yeah. Uh, I guess the question here is, um, which ones did you guys find yourself leaning more towards, or that you found suitable for yourselves? I, I try to stick with just Ranger X by myself most of the time. Um, I like flying around. Unless I need to go back and get something I might have missed and traverse land really quickly, I'll, I'll merge with Indra. But otherwise, I'll, I'll keep it steady and move forward with Ranger X himself. Okay, so you mentioned that Indra is faster than uh, using Ranger X? Yeah. So there's kind of different physics there, just based on whether you're standing on the bike or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about you, Aria fan? Which mode do you like? I I sort of stuck with walking because I did not realize you could merge with your machine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you could move around that way, you know. I mean, I knew you could get on the board, but I thought you had to, you know, control the board at that point. And that was just a little sloppy for me, so I didn't really see much use for that, so I just went on foot. Okay. You mentioned controlling the board. Were you just using left and right to do that while you were riding it? Yeah. There is a little weird thing. If you use the six-button Genesis controller, I think you can use X and Z to move the injure itself left and right. Oh, that that's what I was using, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, and I just I had a hard time getting used to that, so... You actually don't need to do that if you're on top of the bike. Oh, that would explain it. Yeah, I figured that might help. If you're not using the six-button control scheme, you can um, crouch and move Indra by itself. Yes. Because you won't move around. That's right. In a sense, that's almost a movement mode of its own, because you are technically controlling two characters in this game. Yeah. I almost thought it was a co-op at first, where one guy controlled you know, Ranger X and the other guy controlled Indra. <laughs> well, if this had been a Wii game, it certainly would have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would have been cool. but even just natural walking just sort of took some time getting used to because i guess the way ranger x works is is sort of different from what you expect because you know left and right isn't just pure left and right i mean it because because you're moving left but your gun could still be pointing right yeah so i want to talk about that a little bit later about how the movement specifically affects the guns or how those two um, are connected control-wise. But, yeah, you found walking around to be the most manageable, I guess. Adrian, how about you? Uh, I know for sure I didn't really use uh, standing on Indra himself. I didn't do that too often because Indra is only in three or four levels. And the thing is that by the later levels, they put you in a lot of cramped spaces. So part of the reason is that you can't actually do that maneuver too often. So, yeah. Most of the times, I found myself flying around a lot to dodge things, at least when they gave me space. And 
whenever there was in, in the like level two, the cave level, whenever there was just one of those battery things like directly above me, I would definitely fuse with Indra and shoot it to death because it's much easier doing it that way than trying to fly up and peg it to death. Okay, so you found it easier to navigate on the ground than in the air, or you found it easier to aim that way? I, in general, found it much easier to dodge things moving around in the air because, you know, more space. So moving around on the ground and then ducking under things is actually much harder to pull off. Although that was partly because I kind of overestimated or underestimated the size of his hitbox when he crouches. There are definitely times when I fly up in like a really narrow corridor, like level five with the spotlights, and then I notice those bullets actually whiz right past his feet. I, I was just acting desperate, trying to fly over his bullet, hoping I can get away, and turns out you actually can, so... That's right. Um, <laughs> Ranger X's legs are pretty much not part of his hitbox. Same with the level, the level two boss, you know, that weird caterpillar thing. Those giant-ass lasers it shoots, you can actually just duck under them, and that's so much easier. I didn't know that. Oh, 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 I knew that. Yeah. When I played, I the first two times I fought it, I was flying over it. <laughs> yeah, that kind of would be a pain. How does the game control how much you can use any of the given movement methods? Before we even talk about level design, what are the mechanics in place, or the rules in place that force you to switch from one to another. For instance, in levels 3, 4, and 5, you don't have Indra with you, so the game naturally is forcing you to navigate on land or uh, with the jetpack. But there are also means that the game uses to manage that throughout all the levels, or even when you have the bike present. How does the game make you switch between riding the bike Merging oh. with the bike, flying, etc. How does the game make you outside of level design? Yeah. I, I, are you referring to the fact that when you're flying, you use up a little meter that controls how long you're flying in the air? Yeah, that's one of them. Okay. But how do you manage that? Well, either one, land on the ground and have it refill, or time your flight so you can stay in the air longer. You actually can stay in the air long enough. And have your descent be slow enough that you can stay in the air much longer than if you were to go all at once holding the, the flight. Right. So it's actually more in your hands than just a strict timer uh-huh. that tells you how long you can be airborne. It's a timer on your thrust or a meter on your thrust. Yeah. So there's at least one other tool like that. You have a life bar on EX up that's separate oh, yeah. from your normal life bar. And the further those were now, you die. That's right. So you can't abuse the the bike or the merge state because of that. Yeah. I kind of forget that sometimes. I actually, I actually forget to abuse Indra sometimes. <laughs> That's right. It also is... Uh, it's like a shield. Yeah. It's and also your way of switching weapons. Yeah. It can screw you up because you can pick up health when you're in EX up mode. And then, you know, oh, yeah. Ranger X yeah. doesn't get the health. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think that happens to, that happens that's, to me. That's never happened to me before, though. In Stage 6 is where it mostly becomes a problem. Beyond those, like, strict metered modes, uh, how does the game influence when you switch? Well, obviously, narrow corridors, like, in Level 6. Actually, you can't even crouch on those things. You jump down through them, so... That narrow corridors influence, obviously, your ability to fly. 
and your ability to stand on Indra himself. Those acid puddles in level 2 and those laser beams in level 6? 7? 6? Seven's the outro, so yeah, six. Yeah. Okay, six. So in level and level six, where you can stand on Indra and you know ride by them unharmed. Of course, if you're inside Indra and EX up, you will take damage by the acid and the lasers. So that's a another neat thing they did with the levels to actually make standing on the bike something you want to do, other than just you cover more range shooting uh, high and low. That's actually what I did in level two B. With those uh, sphinx-looking fighters that you find in the hangar, yeah, yeah. I did a pretty cool trick. I think I'm kind of proud of where you sort of dance, moving in between Indra and standing on it as the um, sphinx is firing its lasers from uh, above and below. When right. it fires above, you're ducking into Indra and firing at it. But when you're when it's firing from below, Indra won't take damage, even though the laser passes through it and you can stand on it. I'd like to see you do that. Or if you could record it, I'd like to see that in action because um, I found a super efficient, almost even cheap way of killing them, and that's to go inside Indra and to EX up. Sort of like move inside them because you don't take damage. Oh yeah. I, I kind take... of figured that find out that too. Yeah, and then kind of just killing them that way. Which, uh, because they I admit, keep turning back and forth. Yeah, they keep turning back and forth, and I admit it's a little cheap, so probably play hard mode and more honorably and Give him a chance to fight back. Don't worry. Yeah. No matter what you do, those things are insanely easy. There's like yeah. no way to make them hard. Warrior fan, I know you didn't use EX up much, but how often did you switch between flying with the jetpack and just staying on the ground? Well, whenever I needed to uh, take care of any enemies in the sky, I guess. But you stayed on the ground other otherwise? Yeah, generally. I mean... Uh, I'd go up if there were things to do to go up, and I'd stay down if there were things to do to stay down. Basically, the enemies were sort of determining whether you went high or low. Yeah, I guess I took kind of a simpler approach compared to the other guys, but that's probably because I didn't understand half the game's mechanics <laughs> until the fifth stage. Damn. Yeah, well, luckily it's so fun that you've got another hundred playthroughs <laughs> or so to go. Ah, uh, that's right. I gotta get to your level. <laughs> so I think we talked a little bit about how enemies influence it, both with what Warrior Fan just said, and Adrian had mentioned before that he was switching to EX up to shoot at things above him. And <laughs> again, uh, I realize everyone has not played the game a whole bunch of times, but do you find that you're consistent uh, between playthroughs with which? Uh, method you use to approach each area just in terms of navigation not in terms of weapon selection yes like level two i have that down to a freaking pattern level three is probably one of the more dynamic ones because you have enemies they kind of do the contra thing where they have enemies just spawning from outside of the screen no matter almost no matter where you are in the level uh those flying bastards i know are pretty tough and of course the terrain is so slopey and uneven that uh, I don't really have a set way to go through that one. Level 4 is the tower. Uh, sort of same same deal. I don't really have a set way of going through that one. I know, uh, sort of, yeah, I just take them out and by order. But those flying guys, um, because of how much they move and how easy it is to miss them, and just because I was dicking around with the weapons, uh, my fights with them 
were different every time. After that was level five, which was the searchlights. Uh, that one, I'm actually, that level's, you know, so big because you can, there's so much to move around. It's not the biggest level. I think three is even bigger, but it was only on my, when I beat easy that I discovered you could actually shoot those rails that they go on and derail them and that kills them easily. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on level five and, but once I do, I probably can find a set way of dealing with them and taking out those big machines efficiently. They're on levels, rails? Yeah, they're on rails. Those machines in level 5? Yeah. I thought they were just flying around. Nope, they're on rails. What? There, if you look at the background, you can see tracks and uh, their little like computer monitor things along them that you can shoot, which will destroy them. Oh, those. That's what those were, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Level six, uh, I also do have more of a set pattern. Like, I know that one part where there's lasers on the ground and those weird spike balls moving up and down. I know to go on Indra right across the first half until the second where I need to fly over it. I do that. I've done that both times now, and I don't think I'm changing that up. I think since I'm trying to get through each level as quickly as possible before running out of health, that my pattern is pretty much set. I'm pretty much consistently trying to deal as much damage as possible and keep moving to each of the each of the required enemies needed to defeat when the level. So you just stick with whatever will move you forward, basically. Mm-hmm. Warrior fan, any times when you switch it up? No, not necessarily. I mean, outside of what I've already said, uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm well, now they know how to play the game. You may as well try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta ask, Warrior Fan, what did you think of level two, you know, with the caves and those turrets? That was pretty tricky, but I don't know. I think that's when things started clicking for me, like with the power meter at least. And, uh, oh, what else was there? There's, there's something else that I was, oh, this, that's why this game is cool, but I don't know. I was impressed even not knowing half the game, but. <laughs> did you know you could shoot the power supplies to the turrets? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Okay, good. That's more pretty obvious. Yeah, you can see it connected to. Them. I, I'm I'm more of an offensive player with these type of games, so I w- I would shoot everything in sight. So, so you don't bother taking out the the power supplies? No, we did. Oh. Yeah, I That's... mean, if you destroy those, you'll pretty quickly learn what they do. They give you a tutorial practically the first second of the level. In levels three, four, and five, in place of the bike Indra. You've got a little spaceship, Eos. Did you guys do anything whatsoever to manage uh, Eos? Did it factor into your strategy at well, all? I had a hard time with that because uh, you can't control it like the other guy. And, and and I had trouble getting back up on the thing, too, in the forest level. I thought I could just, you know, casually ride it as I destroy the land, but no. You can't do that because you have to go <laughs> down into the foliage and... Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he he did help me out a few uh, few times in level five when when the, the spotlights uh, got me. Oh yeah, he is the only one that can take that can save you from those. Well, not quite. Your weapons can really, but they, they always get behind you. Do you need to use that that spreading shot that you get in level level two? You can use that. You can use Falcon. Oh. Technically, you can use plasma beam, although that's not yeah. going to 
work very many <laughs> times. That's very inefficient, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. For me, EOS was just kind of there, and if it shot something, it shot something. Good job. <laughs> Good like, job. Es- especially in, ch- in level 5, when it was able to aim at those those ships at rest. It was like, you did it, EOS. You did something <laughs> useful. That is that part does just kind of feel like it's there to show off. Oh, that's right, Eos is here. Yeah, Adrian, did it uh, affect your gameplay at all? Yeah, it did. Of course, when I learned that I needed him to get off the the security drones, the few times that I did get spotted, yeah, he was useful. I would hold still and wait for him to get him off. Of course, sometimes it would be frustrating when those uh, security drone bastards would still get a hit on me. In level three and four, well, level four I think is where he's probably is most useless because yeah. those jetpack dudes, because of the way they move up and down, but you're also moving up and down, it's so easy for them to move off the screen before he can have a chance to do anything. So he's not too helpful in that one. And you're so high up that his bullets take a long time to reach where you are. Yeah, he doesn't go up with you. But in level three, he did tend to do a much better job with hitting things. Like, I didn't have any control, but even just him, like, blindly firing around because there's so many enemies in that level, he often hit things a lot. He has a tendency to, like, hit, to shoot, just whatever, directly in front of you all the time. So, I thought yeah, it was kind was of superf- I thought it was kind of superfluous in level 3, though, because all the enemies were exceptionally weak. Like, they took very little health. Very little damage, very little health, and it would go down pretty easily with your normal shot. So I didn't think he was even necessary for level 3. Sure, you can definitely do level 3 without him. You basically found that you were killing enemies before he even got in a shot. Yeah. Yeah, could have been that too, because um, there's so many explosions going off, because I'm, I'm just... Uh, both times I played that level, I was trying to use my weapons and see how good they were, and... The first time I played with the Falcon, the second time I played with the uh, using the bombs, and both times they were wrecking everything because the bombs travel along the ground and they keep going and even go back if they hit a wall. So, yeah, ultimate destruction right there. Yeah, you know, since I've been playing through a lot, one of the ways I get through level one really fast is if you just switch to grenades and shoot them as fast as possible as you ride along the ground on (laughs) Indra, it will kill everything in your way. And you can just ride straight through the level. (laughs) You have to slow down a little bit every once in a while to let the grenades catch up to you. But other than that, it's a pretty fun trick. Yeah. This game gives you a lot of ways to really wreck everything. So much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Last thing on navigation. This isn't a question. There are a couple tricky movement techniques that I'll just mention for those of us who have missed out on other stuff. When you're in EX up, you can jump. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, that's something we actually didn't mention in movement modes, but that's significantly different than flying with Ranger X. And in fact, it's almost a more traditional jump than uh, your jetpack is. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel the jetpack is more traditional in jumping, considering that you have to charge up the jump, and you can. It's like very indirect with how you use it. Input wise, it is, but I think functionally, yeah. it's a little more. Similar. Yeah, function is definitely as a jump, and the jetpack is is flying, but yeah. I feel like flying is more natural. 
either way, though, I think you touched on a good point where both of them sort of have a analog nature to them. Mm-hmm. Um, the charging up of the EX helps jump is something that actually determines the height of it. It's not mm-hmm. just like Super Mario Brothers 2. Yeah, exactly. And then the other trick, which you guys may not have found yet, is when you're in Ranger X standing, or you're just normal Ranger X standing on the ground, if you tap down up, you will do a Oh, you do a high jump? jump? Yeah, I knew about that one. Oh, I didn't know about that. You will need that to beat hard mode. It's very useful for level 3 when you need to recharge power. Oh. And just for also getting through level 4 quicker. Yeah, level 4... Be made out of mincemeat with that. It's technique. not only useful but necessary to beat level four in hard mode. Do you have like less thruster power in hard mode? You know how in level four there are those little floating platforms that like oh. fall when you're standing on them. Yeah, yeah. Those aren't there in hard mode. Oh, okay. I didn't really use them to recharge my jump. There's one jump that you need. To either use that, or you need to do a high jump to be able to okay. make it. It's like in the middle of the level, and yeah. it's just a super long gap. Yeah, right. That actually, even knowing about the high jump, it took me a little while to figure out that that would be the best way to do that, or the only way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the slow ascent of just pushing up, um, high jump is also good for quickly dodging things that you need to move up. So beyond the level design and the enemy placement, there are, of course, our weapons that help us decide what to do or how to get around in Ranger X. So first I wanted to ask, how much do you guys use uh, any of your special weapons, or how does your weapon usage balance out in general? Warrior fan, how about you? For me, it was balancing between the basic gun and the default special weapon, which normally I would use uh, break out the special weapon for like the target enemies. Okay. Or bosses, or something like that. Any Anything where I thought more firepower was required like that. Okay, so it was mostly uh, I guess an offensive decision. Yeah. Shouty, how'd you manage yours? I, I didn't really switch, or, or switch around my, wep- my special weapon a lot. I just tried to stick with the main gun. Okay. And then maybe, as, and like what Warrior Fan said, I would only use my special weapon for bosses and target enemies. Maybe some enemies that were taking too long to kill, I would break up the special weapon. Adrian, how do you do it? I use them quite a bit. And especially when I learned that you can fire your special weapon and your normal gun at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. You better believe I ran that for all it was worth. Uh, the Falcon is super good. It helped me clear easy, well, pretty easily. The second time I used bombs, and yeah, you, you can actually use bombs quite a lot because they're so, they last for such a long time and cover so much space, especially on flat ground or even just hilly ground. Uh, they were also pretty useful. Where they became less useful was actually the stealth stage level five because of how much they broke up the platforms and how there were guards on different levels. And they needed two bombs just to kill. And at that 
point, that was when bombs are actually starting to become less useful. And once I got the barrier power up, which by the way, that is a really weird way to get it, in level 6, uh, I stuck with that. And the barrier power up is also super useful, especially for the, the last boss and some of its attacks. Yeah, I sort of consider plasma and barrier to be secret power-ups because of the fact that they don't actually appear on screen unless you do something. What was the, the requirement for a plasma? You have to shoot at a certain spot. Oh. A certain right. window. Yeah, it doesn't actually appear on its own. Yeah, that one was easy for me to get. The other one, the one for barriers, the one that's uh, a bit more out of the way. Yeah, yeah, plasma's pretty reasonable, but barriers, definitely a secret. How does the character's movement affect the actual behavior of the weapons? Like, what the weapons do? I know that um, flamethrower will go out farther if you step back while using it, or it'll spread out more. Right, because it sort of trails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grenade is something that's lobbed and it falls downward, so it's good for hitting things on the platforms that are below you. And obviously, your movement's going to... Wait, actually, I don't know if moving forward and throwing it actually makes it move farther, or if it always moves in a fixed arc, regardless of whether you're moving backwards or forward or when you're doing it. I think it moves in a fixed arc. Yeah. So really, it's the terrain more than your movement that is uh, affecting that thing. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I might go so far as to say grenade is almost completely unaffected by movement in so much as most weapons are at the very least affected in that they fire from Ranger X's position. But grenade, although it does lob from Ranger X's position, the shockwave itself is always on the ground. It doesn't ever come with you. Yeah. It starts acting weird once it uh, goes off in the air. Yeah, it'll yeah. just drop straight to the ground from where it started. Yeah. The Falcon uh, is another one that will go through walls, it will eat bullets, and just hit any enemy that's close by it. So um, I don't think that one's affected by movement either. Well, it can be. If you walk into a while it's flying around, you'll retrieve it. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't know so that. It's, oh. Yeah, so it can act like a boomerang, yeah. a really smart boomerang. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Are all birds really smart boomerangs? I don't know, no. careless Linnaeus, you tell me. <laughs> I guess let's just go on and go through all of them. Well, the barrier isn't a weapon. It's a defensive item. Oh, it's so... a weapon. Okay. Wait, you can hurt <laughs> things with it? You sure can. Okay. I should have tried that out, because I didn't, but yeah. If that means it makes you a moving hitbox, then yeah, obviously it's affected by your movement. The plasma, not horizontally, but vertically, you can aim how high that plasma beam is, which is really useful for the stage 5 and 6 bosses, because they can take a while without it. And the V laser things, are those affected by movement? It kind of goes almost in all directions and then spins clockwise or counterclockwise. No, it's affected by terrain. Yeah. And enemies, maybe. Yeah, both. Warrior fan, what about the machine gun? How's the machine gun affected? Uh, you know, I did notice that, like, uh, you know, if when you're bobbing up and down, that the, the bullets will sort of go astray sometimes, too, which was kind of mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah. It's really useful in one instance in level two, where if you want to deactivate the second set of turrets, well, it, it, it makes things easier to um, shoot at the ceiling and let a rock fall on some tanks in a... In a lake of water. 
<laughs> a yeah. lake of water. Yeah. Uh, or some kind of... Lake of acid. Yeah, I think it's acid, maybe. Well, who knows? Robots don't like water. Well... We, we know. But, the, but you, you fight the third boss? You know, yeah. Like, yeah, but that's fresh water. <laughs> that was salt water in the cave. Okay, yeah, you're right. Salt it's water is very corrosive. What about the one... I know, Adrian, you've been dying to talk about this. The one way that movement doesn't affect the machine gun. We get to talk about strafing now? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> there we go. So you can use the A and C buttons to shoot regardless of where Ranger X is moving. You can move back one direction, shoot in the opposite direction. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, so it's like a intermediate system between a traditional shoot 'em up like Gradius, where you only shoot right, and Contra, where your bullets just follow the direction you're moving. Yeah. yeah. Except even in Contra, you couldn't... Well, I think maybe Contra 3, maybe you could shoot, You can strafe. You can pivot. Okay, yeah. I don't remember whether you can strafe. Yeah, so it's not often you see a... 2D, run and gun, whatever you want to call it, where you can shoot and move in opposite directions. The only ones that I can think of are like twin stick shooters, but they're usually top down. Yeah. Where that kind of thing makes a little bit more sense. Like Smash TV. Yeah, yeah. the days before analog joysticks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, using D-pads. It's very unlikely to come across a game like this. There is Bangayo, and that's the only other one I can think of. It's very similar to Ranger X in some ways, too, in the fact that, you know, piloting a mecha, shoot in any direction. Yeah. And the only difference is that you don't actually have a cooldown in your flight. You can actually stay in the air as much as you want. Bangayo is also much sim- smaller. That is, the camera's pulled out back more, so there's actually more stuff going on in the screen at once because everything's relatively smaller. Whereas Ranger X takes out about, takes up about a good quarter of the screen, I would say. Yeah. Bangayo also doesn't um, have much in the way of complex movement physics. You kind of just float around. Yeah, there's no injury. It's more or... Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, weirdly, it's more like a puzzle game, but let's not oh. get too distracted by Bangayo. Too <laughs> <laughs> so late. I already looked it up. Well, I really hate it, so I don't want to talk about it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, this is a Ranger X podcast. But that's only the second reason. How does the environment influence, uh, or the terrain, or whatever you want, uh, influence where you choose weapons? Where do you use which weapons, essentially? Since I had two playthroughs where I tried to use one weapon as much as possible, the Falcon, it really didn't matter, because the Falcon goes anywhere. So, yeah, for the Falcon, terrain actually didn't matter much. It, It even moves through the wall, so... How much less could it matter? With the Falcon, you sort of have a situation where navigation doesn't matter at all to it. Right. Because uh, we just said movement doesn't affect it very much either. Yeah. So the only thing that matters is if, if there's something on the screen for it to kill. And that's about it. Whereas with the bombs, one, they need to fall on something. Otherwise, it's actually really hard to hit things with them. Although I did play stage four throwing bombs and able to hit those jetpack dudes, which. <laughs> That was pretty funny. Uh, I started actually getting the hang of doing that. So that's an example of, of a level where obviously you would not want to use bombs on that when you have flamethrowers and the, the lasers. 
and the Falcon. Like, that is the level you don't want to use bombs because it's it needs to land on something. So yes. that's a good example of the terrain affecting which weapons you want to use. Same thing with the stealth level that comes after it because it's broken up to different, like, levels of platforms that it keeps. You have to get on the same level as the thing that you want to kill. And then the enemies can actually take two bombs before they die. Uh, it seems like the verticality of the terrain comes into play a lot when you're using bombs. Yeah, it does. Same thing with, you know, walls getting in the way, too. That's another reason why level 5 and uh, level 6, I didn't, didn't even bother to get it back on because uh, all the walls and things that could obstruct it uh, made it not as effective or potentially not as effective. I didn't try it, but I knew that um, I didn't need bombs for the enemies I needed to kill there. All there was was those robots that you can just kick around and blast them to death. Those ones that fly that you can easily get inside Indra and shoot up above them because they can't shoot down. They just shoot straight ahead in front of them and they're usually high up off the ground. And then you have those those little things that hold that with the lasers and those turrets, which are usually in the air, so it's hard to get a bomb off on them. So you'd rather just shoot them with the machine gun like normal. Generally, it sounds like bombs don't play well with Anything in the air, or anytime you have to be flying, you're not going to use bombs. Yeah, it's just generally harder to use them. You can throw the bombs on them, but um, the 2D arc of the bomb is much more complicated to deal with than a, a straight line going left to right. It's easier to line up a shot with a machine gun than the arc of the bomb. Right. Shadi, did the environment influence your choice of weapons? Not most of the time, you just see enemies that got in the way, but does destructible environment count? Yeah, because in, level, because in level 2, yeah, sure, the, the, the alien eggs. Ah, uh, yeah. They're one of those things that's on the fence between is that an enemy or is that terrain? Because it's like you can't move through it, so it does affect your navigation, which makes it seem more like terrain, but also you can kill it. Enemies come out of it. They come out of the rocks, too, and I would say the rocks would probably count as terrain, even though, yeah, it can't hurt you, but... I would have said the rocks are definitely not terrain, because you can walk through them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they just fall on you and block they're, your shots. They're more like enemies, bit. or obstacles, or traps, or hazards. But anyway, Shadi, you were saying about the eggs. Yeah, I would only use the machine gun for it to carefully pick and choose which one I wanted to destroy to make sure not to awaken any alien babies. They're not aliens, they're tadpoles. I really don't like it when games have tiny enemies that take a lot of hits to kill. It's clearly there to be annoying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then then again, Ranger X also seems to acknowledge that with the um, letting you make solar walls. Yeah, okay. I never end up actually trying to aim at those tadpole guys at all. I just draw them into the light. Use the flamethrower since it covers a good deal of space. It's not a tiny bullet. So I would assume that's effective against those things. Mm-hmm. Warrior fan, were there any places that the terrain affected your weapon choice? Well, there was something that happened in level four. I don't think this quite counts, but... Uh... As I was boosting up against the side of the building, I accidentally rammed my head into the uh, targets, and they would just explode. And I felt like that maybe that was the better choice after all, to just 
you know, ram into them <laughs> instead of actually hovering around and shooting them. They died quicker that way. I had absolutely no idea that that happened. I'll have to try that out. Ram into the, to the enemy jetpack guys? No, no, the, the things are supposed to kill. They just, they seem to blow up easier when I headbutted into them by accident. They gave huh. me contact damage when I tried touching them. Did you hit them from below there, Shadi? Yeah. Were you going full speed? No. I was just there trying oh, to flame them to death. Begs to be tested because it sounds <laughs> pretty interesting. Yeah. I think we mentioned already that you have to be inside of Indra or Eos to switch weapons. Did that affect the way that you guys uh, changed weapons? I know, Adrian, it sounded like you were just trying to play without changing weapons. And I know, Warrior Fan, you didn't know that you could go in, Indra, to switch weapons. So shouty. Did it affect uh, when you changed weapons, the fact that you had to go back to Indra or Eos? Uh, That's what kind of did, because um, maybe not switch weapons, but I definitely did want to go into Indra whenever I was feeling cornered. Felt kind of safer in Indra sometimes, okay. and maybe and maybe I did want to switch out because sometimes I would abuse the plasma, but I didn't want to use it again because I didn't have enough weapons. So I would need to position Indra, position myself in a safe manner to get a good weapon that was efficient. Yeah, it's actually a bit unconventional that you have to get into that state to be able to switch weapons and. Actually, reading about the game, I've seen a lot of people bitch about that and say that it's a flaw in the design. I don't think it's a flaw at all. It's it's not. I Just... actually think it's a really good feature. Me too. Yeah. I think it's I think it's kind of cool that you're in a vulnerable it, state. It's, it's not even a hard thing to explain. It's like that. It's carrying your weapons. You go into the thing that carries your weapons to switch them. It's like it's that. It's something easy to explain, but it's also just another one of those things that's like, you know what? Deal with it because it's. It's not hard to deal with it, so deal with it. I don't know. I kind of like the, the kind of difficulty, the, the finagling factor, getting to my weapon. Yeah, that's what yeah. appeals to me most about it, particularly in levels 2 and 3. There's almost a sense of using your vehicle as a home base. Mm-hmm. Um, you're forced to separate from it uh, in stage 2. Uh, there are just parts where Indra can't reach, so you have to fly away. Yeah. And in stage three, you have to go down to the ground away from Eos to attack your targets. So the game is actually making you choose a weapon and stick with it instead of being able to mid-encounter uh, mm-hmm. be able to swap. Yeah. I think that's just a really clever feature and a subtle thing once again, re-emphasizes the connection between navigation and... Uh, Open choice. Yeah. So I think that's about it in terms of how movement affects weapons specifically. We could go on and talk about the solar power charging, but I think maybe that's something better saved for another cast if that happens. Does anyone have anything else to add about Ranger X thus far? I think it's a really cool game. 
I mean, I know I tried to play it too much like a, you know, run and gun instead of exploring around a bit and looking for extra weapons and the like. But I, I kind of like how it's all kind of mission based in, in kind of a simple way. I tried playing it like a Euro shmup. <laughs> it is a Euro shmup. Yeah. Because <laughs> it very much is one. Uh, but I, I think mission based is a good word because. For whatever reason, that seems to be how mech games always end up being. I think it's because games that strive, or at least in that time period, games that strive for more of a realistic feel often went with some type of objectives. Yeah, because gold rings and flags aren't realistic. Yeah, well, tell Destination me about points. <laughs> yeah, like Ristar swinging around a pole a thousand <laughs> times would never happen in real life. I, I would have just assumed that they were trying to just get in as many cool ideas they can with this uh, mechanic set. Because each level, or almost every level, is doing something different. Your first level is something pretty standard, you know. It, it only sc scrolls left to right. You're taking out a bunch of cannons shooting off the distance. But by the second level, it's a bit more complicated. Yeah. So it, It's kind of like a maze, but Nobody should be getting lost in that. It's not. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah it, it's, it's not bit, like it's, it's not like start to finish, like the first level. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit more branched, and you have to move around more to actually destroy those cannon things at the first level. So put them around different places more in that one, and then in the third one, or yeah, the third one, it's like a battlefield where it's this big, wide open space, and you want to move high and low so you can fill up your power. And kind of like have a breather when you're dealing with all the craziness on the bottom so that you can destroy each of those, you know, the cannon things again. And then once you get to the fourth level, it's this big vertical ascent destroying whatever those things are on the side of the buildings. And But that one's also much more restricted. And then you get to the fifth level and it's like a sort of a stealth mission thing. It's also big and open with different paths that you can, do, you can go on to go around the lights and to go around the rails of those big gun things and derail them if you can. And then level 6 is kind of more of a, a standard-ish level that you might have expected from this type of game where it's not too high, but going from point A to point B. Yeah, and it is. We're pointing restrict at the boss your, at the end. Yeah, and they restrict your, the way you move a lot and force you to move in interesting ways. And yeah, Level 6 is really the one where they just make things really intense and cram a lot into a little bit of space. Exactly. And uh, level three is almost like the exact opposite of that. Well, they do cram in a lot, but it's a big open space. So, Yeah, I think level three is the opposite, or yeah. as close as it could be. I Although it's not it's not easy to like get away from the action because of the way the enemies spawn relative to the camera. So you're, you're always going to be in some kind of pressure in that stage. It's just the ground enemies you can get away from it. Get a sort of safe spot to charge power. Yeah, I think maybe you guys might agree that I think it's a difficult game to slap into one genre because of the fact that it does so much with the different levels that it doesn't ever really feel like a run-and-gun or a shmup, per se. Yeah, that's why I yeah. call it a Euro shmup. It's not made in Europe, so it can't be a Yerish map. <laughs> no, yeah. but it's like a weird kind of thing, you know. A lot of Euros 
a lot of genres are fixed with it, with a Euro prefix or weird link. Well, yeah. Euro platformer. I think that generally the idea is that Euro games tend to go for more of that like objective based or realism based style. Yeah, the more plotting. Right. A lot of times it just ends up kind of blowing. Um, <laughs> and then every once in a while you get something that just comes out really nice. Um, yeah. And feels really ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ranger X definitely knew what it was doing, and it made sure not to go too crazy with its ideas. It still kept, you know, the focus on flying around, shooting stuff. It's kind of insane considering that those guys really never made any other action games. I don't know what the hell happened there. It's kind are of they, sad. Are they even still around? Uh, they were as of 2013. Uh, when they worked on Crimson Shroud. What kind of game is Crimson Shroud? A D&D based RPG. Oh wow! Um, From freaking awesome action game to D&D RPG. Uh, well, everything else they do oh, is right. pretty much an RPG. Crimson Shroud is that one game. It's the Yusumi. Yeah, the Yusumi Matsuno game from Guild One. Okay. Wait, so they just one day someone said. You know, let's make a mech action game, even though all their experience was in RPGs, and then... Actually, I think it was a bunch of guys from RPG teams formed a company, and their first game was this mech action game, and then they just didn't do a lot else. Like, uh, I don't know what happened there. Damn. A Ranger X2 would have been something nice to see. Could be, but I think Ranger X stands alone pretty well. Yeah, every game stands alone. But I mean, you know, see, you don't get to see this type of game very often. Like, the only other, like, sort of mecha being able to shoot in different directions and a character that can stay in the air indefinitely, so it's not quite a platformer, but still not quite a top-down game. Uh, I don't get to see many of those. The only other one I know of is, of course, Bangayo. And... Uh. That's about it. I don't know any other games like this. At least there aren't in 3D. The most similar game to Ranger X that you might want to check out if you liked Ranger X a lot would be Cybernator for SNES. Cybernator. Okay. Cybernator has a lot of similarities in terms of it has the multi-directional aiming, it has objective-based missions, it has a mix of like stealth missions and action missions. And it has the sort of physics-y movement. It's also a virtual console. Yes, it awesome. is. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, it's good, but I don't think it's quite as good as Ranger X. It's kind of harder than it should be. Oof. Wait, mm-hmm. harder? Why? Just because you get one life to play the entire game. Oh, god damn it. One of those. Oh, well. Mm. Uh, I have to tough it out. Ranger X gives you continues like crazy. Yeah, Ranger X is real fucking easy. <laughs> it's, and yet, it's the one we all like. Well, I, I don't think it's a downside that you can take as many hits as you can before dying. I mean, I still died, even on easy mode. Ranger X is very customizable difficulty-wise. Uh, yes. Just because there are lots of options for what kind of weapons and stuff you use, and yeah. because there are actually four difficulty settings. Yeah. It's, it's very player-control difficulty. It's like you can play Mega Man with special weapons or just play it with the buster only. Mm, yeah. But if I get really good, I can try a machine gun only run of Ranger X on Heavy. That'd be a cool thing to try out. Just, just put on YouTube. 
Yeah, I will. Only. Uh, yeah, that was one of the things I was going to do. The other thing about Cybernator is that the weapons have to be, like, leveled up, which is kind of annoying. Oh, that's just so annoying. Because they're, like, these power-ups you find in the stages, and they're not always that easy to find. If an enemy drops one, it will only stick around for a little while, and you have to uh, switch to the weapon that you want to get powered up before you pick it up. And mm. it's just kind of a hassle. But that's the main drag. <laughs> I think that's it. I don't feel like doing an extra question. So, uh, Warrior Fan, any final words? I'm sorry for not playing the game right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope to be more experienced if there's another Ranger X cast in the future. Yeah, well, we'll try to do one. I don't think... <laughs> There's any pressure to move on to another game right now, especially if people are enjoying this one. Shouty, final words? I'm sorry for not playing the game until this past afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not forgiven. Uh, <laughs> Adrian, final words? This game is good. I'm going to play more of it. Whether we do another podcast or not, I'm going to play more of it. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining me. If you want to, you know, help out the world in one way or another, you can write some letters to Nintendo to re-release Ranger X in some form. All right, talk to you later. All music on this podcast was from Ranger X. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com.